This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. back folks here on the michigan insider sports talk 1050 wtka online at wtka.com sam webb mr ira weintraub this is always a fun time of, of year to uh, it's always fun talking to our mgo blog brothers but when they uh, release hail to the victors uh, it is especially good and my guy seth sent me a digital copy over the weekend he said happy fourth you talk see Kids, they enjoyed the fireworks. Me, Seth made my night, sent me a copy of Hell to the Victors. So, Seth, thank you, my brother. I appreciate you. Oh man, I'm glad I, I I'm glad I can at least do it digitally. I, I people are printing them out and stuff, but there's a paper shortage out there. I, I'm sure nobody knows about unless you're in the paper industry still. That is killing me because normally we print thousands of these copies and like we can scrounge together just enough paper for two thousand. We're still trying to find more. But I think I have 1,950 sold out of the 2,000 already. And, like, I cannot sell another one until I know. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys, while I was out sick last week, you you got into some great questions, man. And I've I've answered uh, – I've covered three of them. Did you guys cover three or four last week? We covered four last week. Uh, Seth and I were just uh, confirming during the, uh, during the break. And so the one question, Sam, we did not get to with you yet is the fourth one, which is – is Michigan competitive in NIL? Are they trying to be? So, of course, they're trying to be. Uh, I think Empower is indicative of that. Uh, I think the, the consultant that they hire from an athletic department perspective uh, who has uh, been working diligently on A, assessing the needs, B, getting a full accounting of where the deficits are, both real and perceived, uh, and coming up with a comprehensive plan for the department as a whole. Uh, I think both of those speak to the, A, the understanding that they are behind, uh, and then B, uh, trying to do something to mitigate the, the gap. Uh, Empower, it, it'll be interesting to see what they're actually able to raise. Uh, I started out thinking that it would be a cinch to raise you know, 12 to $15 million. I'm, you know, I, I think, I think those expectations, I know my, my expectations have been, um, I, I think adjusted a bit unnecessarily. So I don't know that they'll hit that 12 to $15 million uh, level in this first fundraising run based on what I've uh, been hearing, but it's a, you look, you got to get started. And I think that's, that's what they've done now. A key component here. Uh, and I wonder what you're hearing about this, Seth, is what is going to happen with the charitable aspect of this? We talked about this yesterday with the IRS memo that came out that said, look, these charitable organizations that are trying to align themselves uh, with NIL or NIL collectives, that they, this this may not be, this may either threaten tax exempt, your tax exempt status or these donations may not be deductible. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, I I don't know what kind of impact that will have on on Michigan and the the charitable uh, organizations or the charitable charitable nil and in, in endeavors that they've kind of connected themselves with. So speaking of Hale, I know Hale have been yeah. and they've been working hard to try to get their five hundred one c three status uh, had not happened yet. So I wonder if this if this this memo is sort of a blanket thing that says any 
any affiliation with NIL. And it's not really, um, but it's so yeah. So the guys at Hale think that they're going to be okay. They think that they the way that they have their thing set up is that it's going to be all right. Um, now the problem with it is if you do set it up right, if you do have it, if you are uh, doing it the way the IRS specifies that you can do it, it's really hard to get that much money moved. So uh-huh. it's probably going to end up limiting the effectiveness of it. Not like so the the hail impact is going to be okay, right? They're going to be able to be able to still yeah. use it, but you're only going to be able to raise so much because you can only spend so much. Yeah. So it, I, but maybe you know, I wonder if you wind up splitting it between some of it because Jamie's, for instance, Jamie's collective, they have their five hundred one c three status, right? So you know, does is that an avenue that allows you, if there are limits, is that a way in which you can sort of raise the raise the limit uh, as far as Michigan is concerned by working with multiple collectives that that have that that status? Now, again, waiting to see. I guess here here's my question about Hale. Uh-huh. It seems so cut and dry. Uh, they're set that you know you see the chair. We've had the charities on. We've had both Ellie's place on. Mm-hmm. And the Humane Society here on Valley, and they they've been very open with saying we believe that th- this what Hale is doing or plans to do can be a massive boost to our fundraising initiatives. And so here you have the charity speaking out on it. How? What's the holdup here? Why? Why is this? This is not like it, it's some of the other places where you don't see the connection to actual charities like you do here. With Hale, so I'm, I'm, that's why I ask the question. Are well, they just treating yeah, some the, sort the of difference? Is the, it's difference with approach. Where if you look at what happened at Texas A&M, how do they set up their charitable organization? Right, they're they give us give us a fund, give us money, and you can have it tax deductible. Their focus, the question they were trying to solve was how much money can we give to our football players, and how much money can we offer to recruits in order, and then at least and allow you to do this as well. Now, because they came at it from that perspective, the NCAA uh, was one, is, had them right in their targets, and the IRS had them right in their targets. Because it was obvious, the question they were asking is not, how do I provide charity? How do I get money for a charity and do good? These guys, the, 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 the Hale Initiative, they came in with a question, how do we do the most good and then have the pay- players make be the ones who benefit financially from doing from 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 filling this need right so let's raise the the money to do lots of charitable things and then have it set up so that the players are the people who are making money while they do this for people and then everyone wins right Uh, and because they came at it from that perspective they are much more set up in order to provide goods and services at a charitable level uh at the um and, and pay out what you're supposed to pay out for these things. That's the big hang-up. It costs so much well, money say, to do so, something. So we, we actually yeah. have a, an accountant at our disposal. The accountant okay. account <laughs> consultant just called, and he said that because the money is going into the pockets of the kids, that the 501c3 distinction is basically worthless. That doesn't matter. Because I mean, the, the, well, the money can go to anybody as long as you're paying market The IRS is going to look and see where the money is going, and the right. money goes to kids. The money isn't going to the charities. But but, uh, but no, he's, no that, he's absolutely right. But the money you so you can have a charity and then you can pay the charity can like be paying people to do things right. If you have a charity garden association, you can pay gardeners to work the garden. That is that that's part of the deal. But the question is, how much can you pay them? Can you pay a gardener three million dollars a year? No. Well, I think that, no. That, pay I a gardener think what a gardener makes. To, yes. But I think what it comes down to now is. I think what it comes down to now is that in order for this to for NIL money in this way to work for the go to student athletes, again, this is the amateur speaking on this, you have to make your donation to the organization to and then the, the charity, charity has and to then pay. the charity has to then yeah. pay the student for their appearance. You can't have them until you and that's that's the middle person you have to have. And they have as to pay to an organizing body essentially saying we're because what Hale's trying to be essentially is trying to be like you talk about the United Way as the dashboard. Yeah. And they're trying to be the dashboard, but I don't think they can be. Right. There needs to be something else. Yeah. I think like the, the, the big hang up is really the amounts because you can pay. It, it costs so much to get a celebrity to go and talk about your charity. 
and therefore you can pay that much. Now you can't pay ten times that much to somebody to be your because the money, they watch where the money goes. So since I know Papa Weintraub's listening, you know you're gonna have to come on. So. He's coming in tomorrow. He okay, just he'll be in tomorrow. There you go. Great. There you go. In studio. In studio. Yeah. Okay. There we go. The accountant. Well, we gotta come. We gotta come up with a name for it, Mister Weintraub. This Papa Weintraub comes to comes to town. I'm looking forward to it. I got to bring some coffee and donuts or something. See, the last time he was in that studio, he met Cassie Russell. The time before that in the studio, he gave you a ton of advice. <laughs> he sure did. I only have an accountant because of Papa Wyatt. It's like, what are you doing? What are you doing, Sam? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got to get to a break. MGO Blog Roundtable. Man, you just made my day. I'm looking forward to it. All right. We got to get to a break. MGO Blog Roundtable on the other side here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTK The Ticket the official voice of University of Michigan Sports, Ann Arbor, a cumulus station. And we are back, folks, here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050, WTKA, online at WTK.com, Sam Webb, Mr. Ira Weintraub on the other side, and joining us for the M Go Blog Roundtable, just as they release Hail to the Victors 2023, we have Seth Fisher on from M Go Blog. Seth, good morning. How are you? Man, I am so excited for this magazine to be sitting around in people's offices or like the at the entry room of like your dentist all over Ohio. Because <laughs> if, if you haven't seen the photo yet, the cover photo is Sainer still knocking the ball away from uh, Ohio State tight end Kate Stover. And it is just, mm, every time I look at this thing, and I look at this thing a lot, <laughs> every time I look at that thing, I just got a little another tingle. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's, I imagine it's like a, a kid being born every year, as much work <laughs> as you put it. I mean, you're working on it for nine, ten months, I, right? I have two kids. I would say the book takes a lot more effort from my part. <laughs> from your part. I might take this picture and put it in my – I'm driving through Pet, uh, Ohio in a couple of weeks. I might put this picture in my uh, in my window, like on both sides, but then I'll get yeah. pulled over. I also happen to really like the back picture. I love the Zen JJ pictures that were you know going throughout the season, and you guys put that on the back of the book. Yeah, and I man. love the, 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 you know, that's the way to, you finish the book with a little bit of Zen. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I, I really do. I put a lot of thought into the, the cover design and like what's, what's going on inside the book and everything. And, and there's kind of a theme every year that kind of rides through it. And this year it's not hard to figure out what the theme is, right? Like relax, they got this. Yeah, man. So give us some of the highlights and then tell people where they can get it. Hail to, first of all, what year of Hail to the Victors is this? Well, all right, so we've been the first one was 20 was 2007. The first one that we made independently was 2012. And I don't know, cuz you have to count we also did like a, a historical one, Halo Old Blue, which is still out there. We did a hoops and hockey one one year. And then I also I was trying to make this a, a whole business at one point, so I did a couple Penn State ones as well. And those I still have like a stack of 2014 Penn States. But that uh so God, I don't know. Since since 2012 is when I've been like in charge of the whole thing, right? Where I had like find mm -hmm. the printer and, and put it all out ourselves. Um, so do the math there, and that's our was it 2023. So this is number 12 uh, in okay. that series. And so, 2020 must have been pretty unique, putting all that together without. Oh, that was unique. <laughs> well, oh, so okay, so that one, our front cover athlete is uh, Nico Collins, who didn't play. And our back cover athlete was Ambry Thomas, who didn't play. So <laughs> I've had that experience. I remember having a cover I of a magazine. We had Jai Eugene on the cover. Oh, what about the one oh, that you no. got? <laughs> Jai Eugene on the what cover, man. What about the man. kid that, that ended up going to Washington? The, the Sean Parker? Back. I don't know. I thought he, you had him in a picture and you ended up changing the cover out because he was in a picture with some other guys. He, well, game. So we didn't, weren't able to change the Jai Eugene one. Oh, you were? Okay. That's so, yeah, brutal. man, that was, <laughs> yeah, it was brutal. Ouch. All right. So we know all that story too. Yeah. Highlights, Seth, and where can people get it? So you can get it on mgoblog.com or mgoblogstore.com. Right now it's digital only. I am trying to print more copies so people can buy uh, more print copies of it. Um, man, we got some really cool articles in there by Greg Dooley. Uh, he, he was writing one article about NIL and then... Um, it got so long, and I'm like, just, just split it up. So one of them is like the history of cheating in the NCAA, which is not a short article uh, and, and also not a complete article. But it's it's pretty – that one's really kind of interesting because he goes all the way back to like the very first like Harvard versus Yale rowing. And it's like, oh, already got cheating right there. So amateurism lasted all of five minutes in the NCAA history. 
Uh, and then he did another one that kind of catches us up on and explains. You you want to know what's going on with NIL. What, what, are the, what are all these terms we're throwing around? What is Michigan doing? That article really kind of just walks you through it. Now, of course, things change rapidly, but we held that one till almost press time. So it's it's fairly up to date as of like May 30th. Um, so we, we got uh, Adam Schnepp talk to Jeremy Gallon and watch the uh, the Indiana game where he set the the uh, receiving record for the Big Ten and like they just walk through every single target that Gallon got. And it's like a really fun kind of walk through to to hear the player talk about it and you know experience it from his perspective. Uh, Scott Bell looked at like different times that uh, you had two great running backs in the backfield and like how they use them and like. How, what's the carry distribution look like? How do you use one to attack another? Like, uh, how do you, you know, use both of them to kind of mess around with the things that defenses can do? That one was really cool. There's a lot to learn about, um, you know, the Reggie Bush USC year and Lendell White, Reggie mm-hmm. Bush kind of usage. He thinks that's the that, that's the ticket for this year. Ian Boyd talked about what J.J. McCarthy's really good at. And, like, <clears throat> I thought this was interesting because it's something you brought up before, Sam, that the types of throws that Cade McNamara was money at was not the, were not the type of throws that JJ is good at, and vice versa. So he has like a whole. He says, "Here's the kind of system you would use if you're going to use JJ," and it wasn't the system that they had last year. So I wonder if maybe that was just the way Weiss wanted to run third downs, or if it was an offense that they went they designed thinking they were going to have Cade McNamara be the starter last year. I don't know, but. It's interesting that he that he kind of breaks down exactly what it looks like when you are designing an offense to use J.J. McCarthy's throwing ability uh, and what it will look like. And fans of MGO Blog know that we love wheels, and he says it's lots of wheels because it's like Edwards and Loveland are you two like just you know game breaking weapons. So those he kind of explains how you use those things. There's a lot more, but I mean, there's I think this is one of the best ones we've ever written. I, I'm really proud of this issue. There you go. All right, folks. So imcoblog.com is where you can get it. You guys have a round table uh-huh. uh, feature uh, on the back. And you, we went through four of the questions this morning, last of which we just discussed before the round table uh, went live here. And that was NIL. Is is, is Michigan behind and NIL are already trying? So we, we tackled that one. What's next on the list, Mr. Weintraub? Yeah, so Seth, you guys had great questions for the roundtable part of the back of the book. And there were eight questions. You and I went through these with Brian last week, the first mm-hmm. four. So we wanted Sam's thoughts on those. And now question number five. Which opponent, Sam and Seth, which opponent are people underrating? Hmm. I'm going to guess it's not Rutgers. No. Nobody, no. nobody picked Rutgers. There were some interesting answers for this one, though. So, I, you know, for me, uh, you know, I look at the losses at Penn State. And 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 I think people, I, I think you can make an argument for them, but everyone is expecting Penn State to be pretty good. So I, I don't think if they're if they're under, you said oh, underrating, right? Underrating. Yeah. Yes. I don't think I don't think they'd be underrating them by too much. I'm gonna say from a Michigan perspective, I'm gonna go with Maryland. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with Maryland, and I think for for two reasons. Number one, they lost a lot of talent at receiver, and number two, there's very little respect around here for Josh Gaddis. <laughs> and I think I think that that yeah you know, I, I think that those expectations will be um, will be you know I think that will be proven to be short of what they actually do. I have Maryland winning seven or eight games. So what's interesting, Seth? I'm gonna let you go in a second. I just wanted to read this to you, Sam, because I sent you this yesterday. Brett McMurphy had tweeted out the power rankings, and it was a via uh, it was the number of games projected as a favorite in 2023 based on power rankings. Maryland is 10. Michigan is 12. Ohio State's 11. Maryland is 10. Penn State is 9. Which means, according to the analytics of the one that he was looking at, Maryland is projected to beat Penn State in the power ranking. Wow. Because, right? Ohio State's one 11, so their one is Michigan. Maryland is 2. Their 2 are Ohio State and Maryland ahead of, Michigan ahead of them. And Penn State's got 9. Which means they projected at 3 losses as a, you know, in these analytics. I'm not saying this is accurate. But that's a surprising, that really surprised me that yeah. it was not Penn State as the 10 and Maryland at the 9. Well, you got, so look, Mike Loxley and, and Josh Gaddis are, you know, they, they obviously have some really good, the, the whole, you know, back and forth about who, who was calling the plays aside, there's a real chemistry 
and cohesion there when it comes to to scheme and strategy. You got a veteran quarterback in Taliga Tagovailoa. Uh, I like Roman Hemby at running back. Uh, so they have, I, and I I just I think that they'll find receivers, especially with the I think a better than expected ability to run the football and a, a trigger man that has proven himself to be pretty damn good. I think the tougher part of, of predicting what they'll do will be what they do on defense. Never have they been regarded as a as a staunch or, or stout unit, and yet their secondary. You remember? Look, it was early in the season when they played Michigan. We remember we were like, man, how come Michigan's receivers are getting open against these guys, right? And we were highly critical of the receiver's ability to beat to beat uh, you know press coverage. Like, oh, why can't they get up? Come to find out. Maryland's corners were pretty damn good. I read Corian Bennett and Deontay Banks. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, they went pretty high in the NFL draft. Both of those were four sub four sub four four guys could really really run or a physical. I think it was Banks that that tested off the charts at the combine. Like they had they had some dudes. Now they can they replace that? Well, like they, I so the two guys that they, they have, the two guys they still have. We're actually like when we played them last year, they were all kind of a four man rotation. So the the two guys who got drafted didn't really break out until halfway through last season. And so they have two more guys from that four man rotation who were at least competing with those two guys. So their cornerbacks mm-hmm. are fine. Their linebackers are not fine. They have I they've got their they have one good linebacker who's that guy who was playing at St. Francis. He was uh, should have been a five star and he played as a freshman last year and he was great. He's gonna be great. The other linebacking spot, they've been using Rupin Hippolyte forever, and they cannot replace him. They've tried so hard. They have guys all over their roster who, like, they brought in trying to replace Hippolyte, and they just cannot. And that is the dude, if you recall, Donovan Edwards just going off on. Mm-hmm. Because, like, they just – they and they don't have the athleticism to keep up at that position. Now, you're right. Maryland, if you have one thing, you want a quarterback, right? And, and, and Talia Tagovailoa, he is a quarterback, what they don't have is um, any ability to score in the red zone because they don't have an offensive line. And I don't know if Josh Gaddis, if your problem is red zone scoring, I don't know if Josh Gaddis is your man who's going to solve the problem. Because yeah. that was my one. I, I like Josh Gaddis. I was a Gaddis defender when he was here. But that was my one big criticism is he was not a good red zone play caller. And you, he had a great line to do that with at Michigan. At Maryland, he does not. Now, I don't think that they're going to keep on ending up in fourth and goal like they were last year and the year before. That was a, or yeah, punting on fourth and goal because that happened a few times to Maryland in the last few years. But that's the way they're built, really, is that nobody wants to let, uh, I call him Tata just because I chart him so much, right? But no one wants to let Talia out of the pocket. Talia wants to get out of the pocket. He wants to get away from those offensive linemen as fast as possible. And so you get these ridiculously long plays where you're just in coverage forever. And they're a max protect, and you have all three of their guys covered, and he's just rolling back, rolling back, and finally hits a comeback, and he like it's like a thirty-five yard pass that gets three yards, and and yeah. that is Maryland's offense. Yeah, I, look, the, the question marks are very clear. I was going to go with the offensive line, like you. I, I yeah. feel like they, even though the the names aren't as established. I mean, I thought their receiving core was you know right after Ohio State. Uh, in the Big Ten as far as the kind of talent level they had on the flanks. Uh, I feel like they'll have an easier time replacing that than they will fielding a a good offensive line, which is why I'm surprised to hear McMurphy have Maryland ahead of Penn State. It wasn't him. It was a power ranking that he was using their analytics. Oh, okay. But still, it was... The analytics had Penn State below Maryland. That's crazy. It's probably it's hard to put offensive lines into analytics. I think that's the what's going on right there. Yeah, I look at what Penn State lost defensively. You lose Joy Porter Jr. and Jair Brown, and those were two huge playmaking defensive backs. And you know, I I think their only hope is that their pass rush is off the charts. They got some dudes up there. I mean, I think Adisa Isaac is a dude. You know, they they got some guys up front. Um, Michigan recruited Abdul Carter. I think he's a, a, a force as well. But man, I, I just, they got a lot from their secondary last year, Seth. And I, I wonder about Penn State's defense this year. Yeah, I mean, where I think Michigan fans are underrating Penn State because we beat them by 
so much last year, and it was because Michigan brought out the JJ running game, and Penn State had like never seen a running quarterback before. So they've got Kalen King, the other cornerback, following uh, McCarthy whenever he uh, goes outside, right? And whenever there's a fake run on that bluff read, right? <clears throat> and then there's nobody for Coram or Edwards when they get the handoff, and they I, they they still are a little small in offensive line. I they just that's the way they like to play. And Michigan is really big on the offensive line, so I think we're a bad matchup for them. But we're just not going to own them to the same degree as we did last year in the coaching. Last year, Penn State's coaching absolutely obliterated them, and they were that was such a big difference. Now that's a hard thing to repeat. So it works in Penn State's favor that. Franklin's staff was so bad against Michigan last year. <laughs> <laughs> that they can only there's only one way to go. Only one way to go, right? They can only go up. Now there's another I, team that I want to bring up as long as we're well, on. Like, before you get off, no, you know, you guys realize yeah. it's not that you can just go up. You can go straight on a flat line. True, you can stay the same. One thing about Penn State, so I, I had to do our off season. It's twenty four seven sports. They span the the network, and they're you know doing the previews for the teams, and so. Man, the dude asked me, Bud. He was like, "Hey, man, so do you, what do you think about Penn State arguably having the best running back tandem in the Big Ten?" I said, "What are you just trying to get a rise out of me? What are you talking about?" <laughs> but Penn State's running back tandem is—I would give him number two. I yeah. give him number two. Yeah, I mean, the question is like, you're running back two or you're running back room because Ohio State's got like four dudes. And, and I mean, Michigan has two potential Heisman candidates. I would say that the best three teams at running back in the country are Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. They're all in the same division. Mm-hmm. And at Singleton is is the, a real – Michigan recruited that mm-hmm. guy. We know. Yeah, that guy's a dude. Okay, and, and Katron Allen, he really showed last year. And what impressed me about the Penn State running backs is that their offensive line gave them nothing last year. The only thing that anyone had on the offensive line at Penn State – is uh, Fashanu, who's back, the left tackle, is a really good pass protector. Everyone else is bad at everything. And those running backs were able to actually put a running game together for Penn State despite that. So I, I have a lot of respect for those two guys. I think that they would be, if you're talking about who's got the best two, it's Michigan-Penn State. If you're talking about who's got the best running back room, it's Michigan-Ohio State-Penn State. You're still talking about like you know half one, half the Running back, the difference is not that big. And the consistent uh, theme between both questions is Michigan's number one, which was which was my point. It's like, are you I, kidding I, me? Blake Corum is back, you guys. Like, Did you forget yeah, about Blake Corum? Like, <laughs> like are you, this is a joke, right? <laughs> Clearly, you're looking for some soundbite from me. Pro Football Focus had Corum, the number one player. Uh, I think he was the number one player in FBS history and like their fourth highest score ever last year. Now, not a complete season, and he missed some important games, right? He missed half of Illinois. He missed Ohio State. He missed Purdue. He missed TCU. Those are some teams that can knock your running stats down a bit. But they well, had him strength so highly. Well, here's the thing, man. I mentioned this earlier this morning when we were talking about uh, being, uh, you know, uh, Giovanni El Hadi days away from the start of Michigan football season. <laughs> Michigan goes legit nine deep on the offensive line, Seth. Nine guys who played a lot of football uh, on that offensive line. So you are you're, you're talking about a better version of Trevor Keegan, assuming that uh, he's he's going to come back. He played last year, banged up the majority of the year. Zach Zinner's back. You expect him to be better. The battle between Trent A. Jones, I thought had a, a decent, pretty good start to the season before he gets hurt. Yeah. Now he's back competing with Carson Barnhart. You look at left tackle. Is it going to be Henderson? Is it going to be Miles Hinton, both guys who play a lot of football. And then at center, that's the one spot where you look at it and you say, you can expect there to be a drop-off, but I just don't think it'll be precipitous. Raheem Anderson, had such, he's having such a good offseason, and I'm to the point now where I'm not, I'm not etching in stone Drake. I think that'll be more of a battle than, than people think. Do I think Drake Nugent is the favorite? Absolutely. But I do not think he, he's a shoe-in, and I look at it and I say this, when all is said and done, could very well be a better offensive line than last year, and they probably won't win the Joe Moore Award. I know. Well, you can't give them to three times in a row, right? Like, they looked at them around last year and like, well, we have our winners, and they got better, so we kind of have to do it again. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you can't three-peat these guys unless 
it is so obvious that it's just it's so ridiculous. But like George has got to win one of those. They've put together some offensive lines as well. I get someone else deserves some credit. Unless it's just that ridiculous. I'm surprised for you to say that about Raheem Anderson because I just watched a lot of Drake Nugent this week. And that dude, man, that's David Moore. He's a dude. He is, he is awesome. And like yeah, the, he's a dude. Yeah. And, and he's not awesome in the way Olu Itimi is. Like, Olu is – I've never seen someone come in, be a first-year center starting for a team that he didn't know the calls or anything like that and not make mistakes. And, like, it, it was uncanny. Right, Andrew Vastardis was on this team six years, and he made more mistakes than Olu. So it's that that was really incredible. You're not going to see that again. But Nugent, man, like he is he is up there. And if you think Raheem Anderson is going to you know challenge him, whoa, yeah, yeah. I mean, you think about it. I mean, Olu had the the benefit of of actually you know you just Drake Nugent was hurt the whole spring, mm-hmm. so you know you also have. Uh, even more experience in the scheme uh, for for Raheem Anderson when it comes to this competition uh, compared to 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 Olu. So I, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, man. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, I think uh, you know I'm struck by the similarity with with Drake Nugent with leadership ability. Uh-huh. Uh, with, uh, similarity with Olu with leadership ability. Because remember, after that spring, people were talking about Olu being a captain. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, this dude well, just got here. You're talking about him being a captain, right? But that's hey what man, happens. Their captains were Cade McNamara and Eric Hall. It wouldn't have been the worst idea. <laughs> Touche. Yeah, I, I got you. But, you know, it, it, it speaks to uh, when you bring in a guy with, with that kind of leadership ability like a Drake Nugent. It's why you feel like even if he misses time, even if he was out uh, injured, that he's, he's still the favorite. Uh, absent that, I probably feel even more bullish about Raheem Anderson uh, challenging him. But right now, it's just based solely upon how well that guy played this spring, man. And everything that the folks are, everything that the guys on the inside are saying about how he's really stepped his game up in the best shape of his life physically. He's a natural born leader, too. Um, I think, again, I'm favoring Drake, but I think it's going to be a battle in, in yeah. fall camp. We need was- to get to a break. We need it because I want you to pick up on that that other team you wanted to talk about. So, we will get to that on the other side. More MGO Blog Roundtable. Tell you even more about Hail to the Victors as well. You can get that on MGOblog.com. Stay tuned here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTK, the ticket. How do you think they will do at Iowa? I think it was a good pick, man. I think I think their offense is tailor-made for a Cade McNamara. Huh. Um, a, a game manager, um, play action, um, tight end heavy offense, uh, not not very quarterback dependent uh, when it comes to to their success. You know, my my big question for them is, you know, can they run the football? You know, if they can run the football, uh, I think that that Iowa will win eight or nine games. I just don't know if they will be able to. Uh, that's a big question for yeah, me. There's there's been a major drop off at Iowa lately in the offensive line. And that was really their calling card for years. I mean, Ference was the offensive line coach for Hayden Fry and produced some great offensive linemen year after year after year. And I don't know what's been going on, but they can't protect the passer anymore. Um, and they really can't move guys. Now, they, they've they gone to a lot more uh, outside zone. That's kind of like their bread and butter these days. So you get lighter guys, you know, you get more athletic guys, and they teach it well. So, I, 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 they should be okay running the ball, but it's, it's Iowa, man. Like, is Brian Ferentz going to draw up a really good offense? If Eric All is healthy, they've got a weapon. If they, if I was not, reading that uh, story yesterday. The headline was Iowa is being held hostage by Kirk Ferentz. <laughs> <laughs> you are Kirk Ferentz. Embrace it. Hey, man. Hey, he, they basically. Um, told them that we, we would like it if you do something different uh, at offensive coordinator, and he said, "Okay, uh, that's fine and dandy. <laughs> what are you gonna do the to man me?" Man is literally uh, an ear of corn. Yeah, you cannot change what Kirk Ferentz wants to do. Kirk Ferentz, you're, gonna, you're not getting rid of Brian Ferentz because that's it's part of the whole yeah, program, right. man. They only just scored like 24 points per game to be good this year, anyway, according <laughs> to their uh, numbers. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I gotta look at their. Uh, at, at the layout of their schedule, uh, because getting back to m- 
my point about Maryland, the other thing that makes them I means where they're positioned in Michigan's schedule, that also makes it a little more challenging between Penn State. On the other uh, hand, have you seen Maryland in Ohio November? State. Maryland, you, I mean, last year they had, they did well. But Maryland tends to get their guys injured, and then they can't play in November. And it's happened so often that I'm not looking at November Maryland and being like, that guy, those guys are Titanic. They are mid. The one I was circling, and nobody's talking about, is Minnesota. Because you're looking at, like, they lost a lot of the offensive line again. They lost their mm-hmm. running back. Uh, they lost their offensive coordinator again. Now, Kirk Scirocco <laughs> has been... He's Where's left, he at now? He, I think he went to Rutgers. I, he's... He's he left still, Minnesota for Rutgers. I think that's what he did. Yeah. Well, I think he's going to make some money, but um, but yeah, he left them again. So I they he left last time and it didn't change their offense at all. I I think that they they know what they they're lost doing. three guys in the offensive line. I I just and that was I mean yeah. what did they average like three thirty? I mean they Back were in about huge. twenty seconds, guys. But that's they what they huge. do. They can find more guys like that because nobody else plays the way they do. Right? They're going to run, 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 and pass option. That's that's their whole thing. And so, yeah, I mean, they're, but they're going to step back there. But also, we'll get into this later. But like, if you look at like elite defenses, they're 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 a very good defense. They probably have the best offensive player in the in the conference. And we are back, folks, here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTK.com. Sam Webb, Mr. Ira Weintraub on the other side and joining us for part two of the MGO blog roundtable is our good friend Seth Fisher. And so, Seth, we started out the show talking about Hail to the Victors 2023. Tell the folks about it again and where they can get it. Go to MGOblog.com. It's going to be up on the upper right. Or go to MGOblogstore.com uh, and you'll be able to buy it right there. Uh, that's the digital edition, the PDF edition. I am currently putting together a Kindle edition where you can just read on your regular e-reader, and I am trying to get more paper so we can sell more print copies this year. I have a list already of people interested. I'm not expanding the list at all right now. It's, uh, it, but we're trying. It's just there's a paper shortage right now, and we're having a really hard time getting the paper that we need for it. So okay. that's what you, you can get it right now and start reading it today at mgoblogstore.com or just go to mgoblog.com and there's a picture of it in the upper right. There you go. All right. So let's get back to the question because you said there was a team that you were pointing to that no one's talking about. Who's that team? All right. So there, if you look at S&P Plus, which, SP Plus, which is uh, Bill Connolly from ESPN, he's like their statistician. And his all-encompassing stat is SP Plus. If you look at which teams have been top five in the country, or sorry, top 10 in the country in the last two years and are projected to do so again, there's only four of them, okay? Michigan's one of them. Georgia's one of them. Alabama is not one of them. Iowa is actually one of them because the Big Ten West has a way of making themselves look really good in his numbers. Another Big Ten West team is on that list too, and it's Minnesota. But Minnesota, they're legit, okay? They have I, – I know that they lost a lot on their, uh, their running game. They lost their running back. They lost a lot on the offensive line. Yeah. Mm, Nobody, fair, fair, and they lost fair. their offensive coordinator, and people are like, okay – Dumping Maryland stock right now, or sorry, d- dumping, uh, dump, dumping Minnesota. They they've got a system that works, and they got a system that not a lot of schools are recruiting to. So I I think that they can replace that offensive line well I just enough to Tanner be a Morgan problem. Still there? Is, is Tanner Morgan is in his forty seventh year with Minnesota? He finally leaves. <laughs> He's not, but Tanner Morgan's backup, who is just another Tanner Morgan. Like people overrated See, Tanner Morgan. <laughs> I think you know if if you lost. If you lost just the offensive line and you had Mo Ibrahim back yeah. for his 27th year, <laughs> then okay, I, I'd be with you. But they lost both. They lost three starters on the offensive line. Mo Ibrahim was a sneaky good free agent pickup for the Lions. You know he was with the Lions, Ira? I, Mo Ibrahim's going to make that roster. That dude's a ball player when, when healthy. And so they're both going – I mean, I, I guess I'm not ready to chalk it up as a given – they're going to be able to run the football as effectively as they did. And if they can't do that, they can't run the football as effectively as they did. I think, uh, I think that, you know, pushes Minnesota down uh, a, a good amount. They, they're only saving graces. Like you said, they're in the West. So yeah, well, how they, far do you actually fall in the West? They push you around and there's not a lot of good push you around schools left. So I think that they can find what they're looking for in places that other people remember. Like they, 
Last year, one of the main guys on their offensive line last year was Chuck Filianga. We know that guy, right? right? Mm -hmm. Michigan, Michigan even couldn't use that guy, but we know what he is, right? And they can find more guys like that because they're not very valued. Most teams want to pass or they want to run zone, and that's not what Maryland's going to do, right? They are going to get some guys who are low. They're going to get you a bunch of Raheem Andersons. And you were talking about that guy during the break. Like That is a, that is a dude that you can use. Um, if you build your offensive line out of those guys and then make your offense just about pushing people down, you don't have to score that much because they do have a legit defense. I just I could not find a major hole on their defense. I'm not saying that they're awesome. I'm not saying that they're great. But I think that they're a contender in the West, and I think that Michigan fans should be a little nervous early in the season going to Minnesota. I think that Fleck knows what he's doing, and I think that they're going to give Michigan a game. Yeah, man. Yeah, they, It looks like they averaged about 325 across the front last year. They were just huge. They were just big. And they, they, they've they been big uh, for a number of years now. Uh, you know, a year before they had, remember the big kid that Michigan recruited out of out of Australia? What the hell was that big oh, dude? Oh, man, name? that guy. Uh, um, he was like 6'9", 400, 6'8", 400 pounds. Yeah, he was or something an IMG, like too. Right. Yeah. yeah. I they, don't know why I'm blanking they, on they his had name. Him last year. <laughs> But anyway, all right. Well, it's the next question from the from the roundtable section, Mr. Weintraub. The next question coming up is, what does Michigan need to do to progress in the CFP? Man, I I think that we have, I, I think that we have by by virtue of the changes in the offseason, what it takes. So I, I think putting the reins totally in Sharon Moore's hands. I think is number one, and then number two, and I don't know how I don't know that people will really be able to measure this as as much uh, as would be necessary to really assess the impact. But I I think the relationship, the chemistry between Kirk Campbell and JJ McCarthy is absolutely huge. So not only will you have a coordinator that has you know there's going to be more cohesion, more connectivity between you know, caught play calling between the twenties and the red zone, which I think you saw a, a disconnect there in the uh in the um the playoff game. But I also think that you'll have uh in offense a play caller that is more in tune with his quarterback. I'm not saying that they were out of tune last year. So don't don't mistake what I'm saying. But I, I just think that between him having a full season under his belt having more confidence in his ability to push it down the football field. And then, you know, just having a better feel for what he likes and having more say in what he likes and having uh, a quarterback coach that is more versed in the fundamentals and the techniques of the position. I think all those things raise the bar in a necessary way for this offense, because I just don't think you win a national championship without a playmaking quarterback. And I think Michigan has a playmaking quarterback now, and I think they have the the uh, you know the the guy on the sticks that's going to use him. Yeah, I mean, the, it's a little unfairly phrased question because, and I wrote it, so I can't be that mad at it. But the, like the you know last year, like you're, you, the question is not how do you get past TCU? They should have beaten TCU last year. They, they should have beat. TCU. There was so, I, so JJ only had five interceptions last year, and two of them were pick sixes in that game. So you, you cannot look at like small events that shifted that game so dramatically, right? Like you have you have a touchdown gets wiped off the board because the review official doesn't uh, doesn't actually watch the right replay, right? And and it should have been a touchdown anyway because that drive should have started two yards further on the and anyway they put the ball in the wrong spot to start that drive and then you're still on the you're first, still first and goal on the one that you fumble it away like the the swings that Michigan had in that game. We're just ridiculous. If you get a TCU yeah. again, you should just be able to get past that kind of team. Drawing Georgia is the question. How do you beat a Georgia or an Alabama? And they, I, I think that they are focused on what you need to do to beat a team like Georgia, which is, as you said, the quarterback, right? That's quarterback. how Clemson did it, right? That's how Ohio State has won their championship when they had good quarterback play. That's, that's what you need to do because you end up playing an NFL game. By that point, yeah. you have pros all over the field. You've been through the whole season together. You are not an NFL team, but you are a team that could go and play the worst NFL team and not make a fool of yourself once you're in the playoffs, yeah. which is not what you're at on most college days. 
And so if 100%. you're playing an NFL game, you have to be able to play like an NFL team. Damn right, Seth Fisher. <laughs> you are all over it, man. I think when you when you get to that level, you have got to you have got to have a quarterback where you say, go get it for me, yeah. guy. Go make go make it happen. And let's just look at it from the perspective of Michigan's two playoff games. You look back at that Georgia game and so much focus is on that all-world defense and understandably so, but quarterback play in that game was so, I mean, the contrast was so striking. Stetson Bennett was unbelievable in that game. Yeah. I mean, they they ran like 13 or 14 RPOs in the first half of that game. That's that OC saying, Stetson Bennett, go win this game for us. And I admit, I didn't think he was capable of doing that. No right? And no here he saw a walk-on under his name and we're like, okay. <laughs> right. And, and yeah. here he is. He went out and made it happen. But to my point about this playoff game and the, the difference that I think we're going to see when it comes to being in tune with the quarterback, that first interception, I think, is the kind of thing from sitting down, watching it over and over again with the quarterback and with an OC, I think that that's something that's coached out of him this year. Because he... He, he wasn't a misread. He didn't throw in the coverage. He was late. He was late with the throw, and it was just a it was a fundamental thing. As soon as Devin saw it, as soon as, as Vance saw it, I mean, uh, Al saw it, they said he, he, he threw it on a hitch step. He threw it on a hitch step, and it was a plant throw, and it was funny. It wasn't funny when it happened, but it was funny when I watched the AFC, uh, I want to say it was the AFC championship game. Mm-hmm. It was uh, Cincinnati and Buffalo and Joe Burrow. I'd have to, I might even have it on my computer here where I could show it uh, to the people that are watching, where it was the same throw against the same coverage. And he threw it on a plant. It was a plant throw and not a hitch step. It was that simple. That simple. That split second was the difference between the completion for Joe Burrow and then a pick six for JJ McCarthy. And then on the other pick six, I think that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about, about being in tune with the quarterback, mm-hmm. being in tune with the quarterback, your quarterback coach, your coordinator being in tune with him was a third down throw, a third down play that I can tell you it was a play that the dude hated. Right. And I just don't <laughs> I don't think that that play. Yeah, I don't think that play is even on the play sheet when you get to when you get to game day this play. year. That that was a that was the play that Cade ran so money against Michigan State of all the teams in uh, in twenty twenty one, where like you just you spread them out and you see which corn, which receiver has leverage and then you you throw it to the guy who's got the, the better leverage on the inside, and that what what they did is they dropped a linebacker into the play. Mm-hmm. Now there's an answer for that, but that is like you know four hundred level running that play. So it wasn't even running that play the way that you normally see it in practice. They dropped the linebacker. They they flipped the coverage. All I'm telling you is he didn't like it in practice. Is what I'm telling you. Now, (laughs) now that's why I'm saying it it doesn't. I don't think it even makes it. You know, with this, with JJ, with all that under his belt, uh, the chemistry and cohesion with the with the QB coach and the coordinator. I think that that play doesn't even make it to to Saturday or whatever day that playoff game is at this year. And that doesn't. That doesn't mean that he didn't make a huge mistake on the play. Like he absolutely, I'm not saying he made the throw. He threw in the coverage. It was picked. I think Ronnie was wide open on that play. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody was wide open. It might have been the time. I can't remember who it was, but so, there was a the the next level, the next layer of the of the route concept was open, and so he missed that. That is that is on him. But again, for for Devin. It's uh, it's a play called the the looky. He hated it. So Board just said, "I can't. I got to be limited on how many lookies I call because Devin doesn't like them." Right? <laughs> Same thing here. Same thing with this quarterback. You know, being in tune with what he likes, what he doesn't, and and playing to that. Uh, him having more of a voice in that. I think that's another component in this year's success. Yeah. So playmaking quarterback, Mister Weintraub. That is what puts Michigan over the top. When it comes to winning a national championship this year. All right, Sam, two more questions. One is the question number seven here. Another offseason, another NFL flirtation. Is this going to happen again or is that Absolutely. over now? No, it's not over. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm the only one who is like, nah, everyone else is like, oh, I don't know. It's Jim Harbaugh. And I'm like, yeah, it's Jim Harbaugh. He wants to go to the NFL, man. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's one of those things where he, you know, you know what I liken it to in a weird sort of way. Uh, it took a minute for uh, recruits, players, right media to adjust to 
John Beeline's way of offering scholarships. Remember, he wouldn't offer a guy be to- before right. the uh, the June before his I think before his junior year. He wouldn't offer him, and he had to come. And visit. Then, he had to come. Visit yeah, to and they come visit. Yeah. So there were there were these components that no one else was doing, and for a few years, there's a whole lot of criticism. No one's doing it this way, and they don't really like you. That's what they were telling recruits, and they were buying into it for him. And then there came to be this understanding that this is just the way that Michigan does it. This is the way that John Beeline does it. And so there was an adjustment in the media to how they covered it. There was an adjustment with recruits to how how they interpreted it. And I kind of get the sense that Harbaugh, I think Jim has kind of achieved that within this program when it comes to his listening to NFL overtures. I think the players kind of take it like, and I was talking to some of the veterans about this, like, dude, this is just what happens. Just like we look at the NFL, he feels calls from the NFL as well. And it just comes with the territory. If he goes, if he goes on to the league, we feel like we got enough established in the program to really carry it on. So I don't think that it's a debilitating thing anymore, but I do think it's a reality that we're going to have to deal with until he ages out. And I don't think he's aged he's, out of he's NFL. Out, <laughs> Jim Hartwell. Yeah. Even I mean, the, the NFL will make stupid decisions. They'll they'll hire a seventy year old Jim Harbaugh one day. They will. Um, what did it for me? Was when you talked to Jaden Davis and Jaden Davis's dad, because like that was right after we went through this whole rigmarole. Like, is Jim going this year? Right? Is, are, is Buffalo gonna hire? Right? Like, we we're all looking at who's where's he gonna go or what's gonna happen. And like right then was when they were trying to lock down Jaden Davis. They had a five star quarterback for this class, and he goes and talks to the Davis family. And this is like you know that you're not allowed to lie when you go in with a recruit on that level at that point. And there's only one question they're going to ask. Are you going to be here when my son's playing for you? And whatever he said, Jaden Davis's response was the man can't lie. So mm-hmm. that tells me, <laughs> that tells yeah. me he didn't say well, something he that he wanted thing. to hear. <laughs> so he did the same thing. And we got to, you know, we, we actually almost threw a production with our behind the uniform with, uh, with um, who was our most recent, one that we had in. Oh, we had Darius in. Okay. So Darius, you remember when uh in his recruitment, that was, I mean, man, the NFL talk was full bore. You remember he sat down yeah. on Darius's in home and said, look, I'm looking at the NFL. And if 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 I go, I'm gonna I'm gonna advocate for them hiring from within. He said that on a visit. So he has been really and Darius still came. Yeah. <laughs> Jaden Davis still committed, right? Which is why I say I think. You know, I think the the expectations from a recruiting uh, perspective have been calibrated to to kind of anticipate that yeah, the NFL is going to come come calling. He's going to listen, but it's going to take a lot to lure him away. I think that's kind of where we are yeah. with the Jim Harbaugh Dalians thing. So I, I think it's it it will be grating and frustrating from a fan standpoint, but I, I think the concern over its impact, uh, I think it was maybe. It's not going to be as pronounced this year and moving forward as it was maybe, it, say, when it first started happening. Yeah, it could have been really bad in 2021. 2020, people would have been like, whatever, we'll go get Campbell. In 2021, it would have been really bad. But what he's done since then is he's gotten some guys in the program who are capable of being head coaches. Uh, I'm sorry, Jim, you're going to have to leave your son. That's the deal. Okay, If you want to go to the NFL, we get to keep Jay. That's that's. That's just, <laughs> well, we're okay. We'll you, support you on this on one condition. Are you going to promote Jay? You got to let the boy go. Question. You got to let the boy stay stay here. Um, but I mean, they, they've got Bellamy. He's a Michigan guy, not a Harbaugh guy, right? You got Mike Hart. He's a Michigan guy, not a Harbaugh guy. You got Cleanscale. He's, kind, he's a Michigan guy, not a Harbaugh guy, right? You got Sharon Moore. He's ready to be a head coach, and if he sticks around mm-hmm. any more years, you got to know which head coaching job he's looking at, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, Sloan could have had one of those Mac jobs. Yeah, he could have had one of those Mac jobs, and and but for what's my man that went from Purdue, but for him going Walters. home, Walters. Brom, yeah, yeah, Brom, but for Brom going home for Louisville, Louisville, yeah, I think I think I think Roan was was very much in the running for that. He had some real advocates for him. With that Louisville job, so you you know thank smart of Louisville th- man <laughs> yeah yeah thank thank Louisville for going home and knocking on the door right yeah. to get Jim Brom to come home but why go coach I mean no disrespect to Western but why coach why go coach Western why go coach a Mac school when you're the OC at Michigan yeah. right and I think that's the the kind of the calculus for him where if you weren't Power Five 
why even come knocking? Well, you can't let uh, it recruit. So, so if you look at the recruiting on the offensive line right now and what's going on with Michigan's offensive line recruiting, they don't look like guys who think that they are expecting another offensive line coach to be here when they're here, right? The, the level that they're recruiting at makes me think that there's some sort of assurance that Sheryl Moore is going to be here in some sort of capacity. And if Harbaugh goes, I think it's pretty obvious who the guy's going to be. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. if 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 Jim left, I think Sharon is front and center. Yeah. If Jim doesn't leave, I think Sharon's a head coach somewhere else next year. I, 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 brace think, that's, I think you can't hold him back that much longer. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I my answer to that one was the the Jaden Davis quote. And the also he also said recently that he thinks there's four coaches on his staff. who are going to be head coaches next year. I'm like, if that happens, it's because at least one of them got your job. <laughs> it's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be the case yeah. it could be the case so here's what we know he he has he has gotten them I mean, back back to the mountaintop man i mean this year seth and we don't have enough time i think to get into the last question so i ask you this and we can pick up the remaining questions next week sure. i remember the anticipation for 07 i think i had some of it i think i had really high anticipation for for the 06 season, but especially 07 with all the guys coming back. Uh-huh. Obviously, it was knocked out with the App State game uh, off the rip. But I just don't know that I've ever had anticipation for success, for Michigan football success like I have heading in, into this year. Like, I I feel like Michigan's going to win a national championship. I, I just, I feel like they're going to beat the brakes off Ohio State. And it's not, it, it's not this unreasonable fantasy pie in the sky grandiose this is based on looking who they have coming back looking at the changes they made feeling like they fell up the stairs at quarterback coach right i i just I, they have all the ingredients and the way the schedule lays out they have a schedule that's conducive to answering the questions that you have in game action early in the season and building up as you get to the tougher part of your schedule towards the end yep well my, I don't want to give away how the book ends, <laughs> but let, let, let's leave it at this. Who's got it better than us, Sam? Yeah, man. It's, <laughs> enjoy this. Enjoy it. Enjoy the ride, bask in the glow, uh, because I, I just, it doesn't get better. You say, who's got it better than us? I don't think it gets better than this. Mm-hmm. I don't think it gets better than this, man. Hey, you, you look at the, the only way there are two spots on this roster where they can't afford it. You can't, J.J. McCarthy, this goes without saying for every team, like your starting quarterback can't, can't afford to get hurt. And then Will Johnson. And Will Johnson's got to stay healthy. They, they don't have, they, it's the, the most depth deficient uh, spot on the team other than quarterback, you know, yeah. after the quarterback spot. So, yeah. I mean, worst you case scenario, you, you find another nickel and have Samer still, but you don't want to, you don't want to mm-hmm. do that. You don't want to take him away from what he does. Yeah, that's that's what I think. If if the other corner isn't ready in that competition between Amarion Walker and Jade McBurrows, I fully anticipate what they would do is play Mikey at corner, and then it'll either be like McBurrows or or Rod Moore or Quentin Johnson, Zeke Berry, or Cody yeah, Jones, or, yeah. or some or Zeke Berry, some some combination of those guys at nickel, and then they would you know, they they would grow those other guys up, and Josh Wallace too, because he has to learn the scheme grow those guys up to the point where they learn that other corner spot corner spot and ready to start opposite uh will but we, before we get out of here one more time seth hail to the victors tell folks about it and where they can get it it's 128 pages and we promise that of all the previews out there we say 45 23 more than any of them and it's uh it's available from our store mgoblogstore.com it's available if you go to mgoblog.com and just see it in the corner right there um if you're gonna go on mgoblog.com today i would go around 11 o'clock or just after 11 o'clock there's gonna be something pretty special on there today gotcha all right seth thanks a lot to the rest of you thanks for watching we'll see you tomorrow here on the michigan insider on sports talk 1050 wtk the ticket the official voice of university of michigan sports ann arbor accumulus station